And Joe mentioned earlier, we are starting uh, three weeks uh, set aside uh, to help you focus. And uh, prayer and fasting uh, is a discipline that is very helpful. Uh, I taught about this, the reason we do it um, last Sunday, and that audio is up on our website and through podcast apps. Thank you, Steve. Um, and also um, notes for that, I emailed to everybody who I have your email address, and they're up on the um, where I post notes as well, which is at benmolman.com, which is linked through the church site. Um, but it's something that we've done for a while, and at the end of our uh, time today, we're going to put into your hands um, some thoughts for each of the 21 days that you can use for prayer. The big idea, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you in Matthew 6.33. And he used a specific word first to help us understand that there are things that are not only not only should be first in order, but also rank and also value. And Jesus was communicating that the things of God, the kingdom of God, which he described as righteousness, peace, and joy, are more important than everything else in your life. That's what he said. And so we should seek them that way. And so what we have done uh, traditionally, as opposed to the historical uh, Christian practice of Lent, the 40 days prior to Easter, what we've done is to start the year with three weeks where as a group we are, and I explained last Sunday, it's a private discipline, not public pressure. Don't do anything related to public pressure. If it means something to you, it will mean something to God. If it doesn't mean something to you, it won't. So, but as a group, what we do is to, at what, wherever we are in our walk with God, if touching our Bible is not something that we normally do, then what we want to try to do is for three weeks, just touch it. Seriously. I'm serious. Just touch it. Don't open it. Yeah, I said it. Don't Just touch it. Once a day for three weeks, you will be changed. I'm serious. You will be changed. Um, if you don't normally talk to God, try once a day for three weeks. Wherever you're at, um, if you've been walking with God for a while, we're suggesting at least that you go uh, three weeks, no meats, no sweets. You spend less time preparing food, thinking about clean, cleaning up after food. And instead, you spend more time in your daily activity doing stuff related to God. Now, um, seeking God, leaning into God. Um, so you, what we're suggesting is that you change the, the schedule of your life, your, the focus of your life, that you make some uh, entertainment decisions, that you, you uh, and we gave a handout last week of some questions for you to pray through, think through, what are you going to give up and why are you going to give it up and what is it that you're going to change about the routine of your life for how long? Why are you going to do that? And then what will you be focused on and what are the prayer topics that you want to focus on? What are the things that you see that need to be changed and and what on what day are you going to pray about that thing that needs to be changed? Jesus is the God of justice, which is to setting right the wrongs. And so it's leaning into God and, and, and okay, so I see something that should be different. Well, let's talk to God about it. And so it's, for us, it's been built as a conviction that as a church we're better off when occasionally as a group we focus on something together. And that starting the new year helps our focus, helps us move uh, in the right direction. So if you have uh, questions about that, feel free to ask um, anyone or there are small group leaders and, and ministry team leaders um, 
grab anybody and, and ask a question. It's helpful. Sound good? Okay, so um, if you've been walking with God for a while, three weeks, no meats, no sweets, or you can do other things too. Uh, myself, you know, personally, you know, um, I'll set aside, I'm going to go without food for this day, maybe sunrise to sunset or the whole 24 hours for this particular purpose. And instead, I'm going to change up my schedule and I'm going to pray these things or read read the, in this way and do something like that. And, and what some people find to be helpful is you take the first week to really slowly change your diet completely down to almost nothing and go for a week on liquids and then slowly back up. And there's been some really good uh, secular medical books on the benefits of fasting. Hippocrates himself and current modern authors say that fasting is good for you. It actually uh, reduces your stress, believe it or not, even though uh, for most of us we consume enough sugar that you're really miserable for three days. Uh, then your body goes into a state of ketosis and you can actually feel euphoria as your body's in a fat-burning stage. But it not only does that, but it also slows the aging process. It's good for your whole system. So again, don't change your diet without speaking to your doctor. But there's a reason God created us with certain things that are beneficial. Okay, let's uh, turn to Psalm 139 and let's pray as we uh, turn to dig in. Thank you, God, that you're here now, that you love us, that you sent Jesus to make a way for life for us, and that you've given us your word, and that right now the Holy Spirit is here as a helper to help us understand what we read. God, I ask that you'd help us to push out distraction, and I ask that you'd help us to learn how we can take action. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we're going to title our talk today, Check. And um, you you may have, uh, maybe like me, you just switched your health insurance, so you're thinking, when was the last time I had an annual physical? Actually, I wasn't thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> Check is in a check in. We we or we had a we just had a mic check. Uh, you may have a checklist. Um, you, you check up with the doctor. Time to to check on things. Um, Psalm thirty nine gives us the idea of a search me, O God, prayer that can be a part of your growing relationship with Jesus. So now I'm going to turn there. Should have had it bookmarked. Really, that would have been smart. <clears throat> Psalm one thirty nine. Oh Lord, I love the atmospheric music related. This is so good. It's really setting the mood. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. 
Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. O God, if only you would destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. O Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I love this psalm. Uh, Honestly, I I think that we could open this psalm every week for a year and get something out of it. It's beneficial. it's, It's helpful. But I want to, without taking too much time to properly interpret it, I want to make some plain, simple truth kind of observations of what we learned from it. They're on the screen there, and I'll, I'll just list them off. What do we see in this psalm? Well, we see that God loves you. We see that God created you by design. We see that God knows everything about you. We see that God is always with you. And we see that God thinks about you. We also learn you may walk the way of eternal life by asking God to examine your heart and mind. Pastor Ben, why are we going back to the Old Testament in these ancient songs? Jesus said this, John chapter 5, verse 39, all of Scripture points to me. Come to me to receive this life. Jesus had this message that he spoke everywhere he went. It's described this way in Matthew 4.17. Repent of your sins. Turn to God. He said famously in Matthew 5 verse 8, Happy are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Jesus is not some kind of twisted masochist putting out something that's impossible, but instead he's talking about what is possible. I myself remember the day when I thought, there's no way I will ever be pure in heart. Are you with me? Okay, there's some other humans here. That's good. (laughs) Never know if we're in the Matrix and some of you are not actually there. Uh, Jesus doesn't say God blesses the pure in heart. Happy are the pure in heart. Blessed or blessed are the pure in heart because it's impossible. He's talking about a spiritual state that is possible when we repent of our sin and turn to God. I want to say something to you today. It is time to be free of shame. It is time to be free of shame. It's time to let it go. It's time to never pick it up again. It's time for it to no longer be a part of your private identity. No longer a part of what you think about yourself, how you look at yourself. It is time to be free of shame. 
Jesus didn't live a pure life and go to the cross so that you would relate to God through a legalistic view of your actions and what people have said about you. It is time to be free of shame. If we were to take everything that we have about Scripture, about sin in Scripture, and we were to just kind of summarize it a little bit, I want to, I want to do that. There's a lot of books written on the subject. There's a lot to be said about it. But allow me, if I may, just to summarize Sin is disorder. It is when things are out of order, when things are not right, not in good standing. It's when it's actually could be defined as a disorder of the heart. You you're experiencing something unhealthy ways, self-destructive thoughts, feelings, words, behaviors where it's against what God has that's best for you. It's out of order from God's best for you. When something in your heart, we can sin by commission where we do something wrong, we say something wrong, we do sin by omission where we don't do the right thing. When we are at a state of disorder, an unhealthy state in our relationship with God, that's the state of sin. It's, it's a little bit like a bump in the road. Pastor Ben, that's a really weird turn of phrase. So, as most of my teenage days, I had a skateboard close at hand. I love my skateboard. I was with my skateboard all the time. If you wanted to torture me, my, my parents knew if they wanted to get at me, they just had to ground me from my skateboard. Okay? That's why I've had four concussions and broken both arms twice. So, I remember one, one there was a time where I had to be without my skateboard for a week, my parents lived on this hill. I grew up in uh, Portland, Oregon. We lived on this hill uh, that later on people did, you know, video uh, posts about these guys would luge down on skateboard lane on their back going 50 miles an hour. And uh, I, I went down. Um, um, my board wasn't that good, but I did have a friend go right next to me in a car, and I was on, laying on my back on my skateboard at 35 miles an hour, so that's not for nothing. But this day... <laughs> Um, the first day back from uh, being without my skateboard for a week, I decided to, to go down the hill uh, from the top on my feet. And it was great. And I, one thing, one thing about skateboarding, kind of like uh, surfing, is that you, you, you have like this relationship with this feeling. Uh, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It's very much a, 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 a tactile sensation kind of a thing. And you move with it. And... Um, but I hit a bump in the road. I hit a rock and the skateboard stopped and I didn't. <laughs> and I came up with a broken wrist and uh, had to then convince my dad that my wrist was broken before he would take me to the ER and it was broken. Sin is a little bit like a bump in the road. Sometimes we don't see it coming. It's like getting T-boned in a traffic accident where you didn't see it coming. You're, it's like, bam! And sometimes we see it coming a long way off. A sin is a little bit like a bump in the road where the, it's, there's a disorder in your relationship. It's time to get rid of the rocks in the road. And I don't know if you've ever realized this, but you can ask God for help in removing the obstacles. One of the things I really love about Celebrate Recovery is bringing out this truth that you can ask God to remove your character defects. John wrote this, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins to him, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Why? Because of Jesus. I want to read uh, two more passages uh, from David. And uh, Justin actually referred to this one a little bit earlier. I'm going to read uh, Psalm chapter 51 and verses 1 through 17. And, and Justin already referred to the story. And uh, I've taught on it a couple of times, so we're not going to unpack the story completely. Uh, Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 through 17. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will be, then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart O God. I want to read Psalm 32. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 5. This is also a psalm of David. Psalm 32, 1 through 5. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Day and night your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. This is why Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's time to be free of shame. Uh, Ben, this is a really simple message and you talk about this stuff all the time. That's true. That's true. Let me talk, let me describe what I'm not saying today. I'm not saying that living clean makes you a better person. 
I'm not saying that being free of sin uh, gets you into heaven or um, our club or that certain magic words are your golden ticket. I'm not saying that. Here's what I am saying. Jesus is the answer. That was a really good time to say amen. amen. Jesus is the answer. You can also say, I agree, what, what, go ahead, preach on that. Any of those things work. I am saying Jesus is the answer. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. That's the truth. A spiritual checkup prayer helps a life-giving relationship with Jesus. Now, this becomes easier as you learn more about God. Experiencing a growing relationship with God will include building trust between you and God. It will include healthy relationships. It will include peace. It will include joy. The closer you get to God, the easier it will be for you to recognize what offends Him. Let's go back to Psalm 139 in this prayer. What we see in this prayer is he says, uh, well, I'll just turn back to it so don't misquote it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Now, I myself, in years past, have felt like, whoa, I am not going to pray that prayer. (laughs) Some of you have lived a better life than I did. (laughs) I don't want nothing to do with that prayer, because I had a really long list about me that offended me. And God has higher standards than I do, so if I was already offended at me, I I didn't want to know what God thought. And anyone ever felt that way? But we, we need to take into consideration to whom are we speaking. This prayer is not one that we pray to a human. If you had a bad dad, a sad dad, a mad dad, you're not praying to a human. You're praying to God. And if God is who He said He is, if He's Yahweh, our Creator, and our Redeemer, He breathed from the very first that He breathed and described Himself. Creator and Redeemer, that is who He is. If God gave you life, if God gave this universe its energy, its light. He spoke the light into existence. If God would be so patient with the human race as to predict a Messiah, as to provide ways for people to approach Him, if God would send His Son, who would be fully human, and yet and experience all that we do, betrayal and all the yuck of humanity, and the temptations, and the cravings. Setting aside his aspects of his divine nature while he was on earth so he would truly be tempted. And yet live pure, so that he could offer himself as a pure sacrifice for our sins. If God the Father loves you in that way, and and what is described to us, and was 1 Corinthians 13 read in 
Jimmy's wedding yesterday, God would love us in a way that is faithful and patient and kind. If I can peel away my prejudice against God, I might have hope of believing that a relationship with Him might be okay for me to pray this prayer. Are you with me? Am I, am I going overboard here? I mean, you hear, you hear what I'm saying? See, sexism and racism and ageism and classism, these are like the most evil things that we know today, right? Well, according to some, right? And yet we relate to God with prejudice that's worse. Because what can happen is that on the inside of us, we don't want to relate to Him in certain ways because somewhere deep down we believe that He will relate to us like humans have. Okay, that may be unfair. Maybe you don't ever think that way or feel that way, but I did. Okay? Let us be careful to not relate to God in that way. But instead, examine for ourselves what God is really like. And then from there, maybe we might find it to be our reasonable response to choose to trust God, that He will continue to love us in a faithful, patient, and kind way. And that if we will, as Jesus recommended and the psalmist describes, humble ourselves privately and say, search me, God. Point out anything in me that offends you. And then if our response, when, when information comes to light about what it is in us that offends him, if our response will be to quickly confess our wrong, God, I'm sorry, that's wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. If our response will be, God, I did it. It was wrong. Will you please forgive me because of Jesus? And by your grace, I won't do it again. Then what happens is right in that moment, through Jesus, God's grace is there. It's there. We can be clean. We can be free. It's time to be free of shame. The less you have experienced forgiveness, the harder it is to receive it and the harder it is to give it away. Which is why when they turned to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray, he included starting with who God the Father is and included forgive us as we forgive. So, in a relationship where you believe the other person is for you and faithful and patient and kind, it is easier to say, is there something about me that offends you? Now listen, even as a husband, I'm pretty nervous sometimes when I ask that question. And Rebecca's never hit me. She's not since middle school. She never, she's never yelled at me. She's never verbally abused me or publicly let the whole world know about all my various character defects. And yet still sometimes I can be a little nerve-wracking and say, is there anything about me that offends you? <laughs> He's like, oh, some of you are like really getting uncomfortable right now, especially <laughs> some of you married folk. 
Um, we've been married 21 years, and, and this is a question that I don't ask every day. And I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that you ask this of God every day. But a spiritual checkup, it helps. This is how I learn if I'm less stinky. Rebecca wants me to take a shower before the end of the day. Well, this is too real. Some of you are like, well, did he really just go there? And she doesn't like seafood. And she doesn't want to be asked to try more seafood. <laughs> and I have learned that when I've already asked her how she's feeling, she doesn't want me to ask again. Right. <laughs> that was an interesting place to agree, but okay. <laughs> What happens in a relationship like that where we have made a decision, a public statement we made over 21 years ago, I will love you no matter what. That's a God kind of lifelong covenant commitment. God honoring relationships are like that. I'm in this. It's not a contractual relationship where as soon as you don't make me happy anymore, I'm gone. No, that's a carnal that's like uh, State of Maryland authorizes that kind of marriage. We believe that marriage is a Christian institution, meaning it's a God idea. And the God idea is a lifelong commitment. Like, right? Where my pleasure is not the point, but instead me serving her in a way to represent the love of God. And so because of that, it's easier for me to say, okay, is there anything about me that offends you? Are you with me? That's my duty as a husband. That's a, the Ephesians 5 starts with submit to each other. And in fact, in this room, if this is your home church, our role in our relationships to each other is to submit to each other. And in fact, when that was written, that was turning the whole norms of Greco-Roman life and culture. Nobody else, there's no historical document anywhere that there was any religion, any faith, any policy, any philosopher. There was no one outside of Jesus' followers that were suggesting mutual submission. That was for free. (laughs) Here's the point. It is our reasonable response to come before the Lord privately and say, search me, O God. Know my heart. And that no word in the psalm is that sexual love, intimacy, biblical no word. It means we experience each other. The psalmist, the song is saying, God, let's experience each other and will you experience me? It's that level of intimacy that the song describes. We used to sing a, a, a song in the charismatic renewal of the 90s come close to me too close for words that's the that's the prayer search me god know my heart and point out anything in me that offends you and if i will choose to believe that god has his best as the intention for me and for my life then i should be able to make this decision to trust and And here's what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that January is a great time of year for you to pray a Psalm 139 kind of search me, O God, prayer. And here's here's what I suggest. And you'll see this a little bit in the pattern of the, the handout that we have. It's not the emphasis for the full three weeks. But 
I think that you should also pray this, not just for sin, because you, you, some of you look really great today and you might be like, oh, I'm good. Don't need to pray that prayer, everything's good. But what I find to be helpful is to pray it and where you've carved out enough time, turned off everything with the screen, have set up enough of an environment where you can allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about different areas of your life. So let me get just a little bit more detail before we close. So on the screen, you see what I'm talking about is a spiritual checkup prayer in various areas of your life. And what we see here specifically is described as in my heart and mind, right? And with specific language, specific soul language here, that what, what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking. One thing I did learn as a husband is that if I wanted to have good communication, sometimes I ask Rebecca what she's thinking, and other times I ask her what she's feeling. And it's really helpful to do that if I'm not understanding, What's happening here is that there is this delineation between what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling that the song says, will you search me, God? My heart and my mind. So one question you could say is, God, how, how's my thought life? What's going on in here? And God, would you search and know my, my feelings? How am I doing in my feelings? Or, or this, one of my least favorites, my words. <laughs> Search me, oh God, in that stuff that's coming out of my mouth. <laughs> right? In my desires, my, my deep desires and, and my cravings. And, and who's in control? Are my cravings in control? You want to find out? Spend a little time in prayer and fasting. God, where, where are my desires? And do my desires line up with what you want me to desire? I find that a lot of people live with a layer of depression and anxiety and stress because they're not doing this. And if they do this, they can come to a place of realizing, oh, my feelings on this subject and my thoughts on this subject are really jacked up. And when I spend some time to really think it through, I actually believe this. And so I shouldn't be thinking and feeling that way on that subject at all. And what can happen, and I've seen this happen many times over, is that in an afternoon, their whole perspective is different. They're changed. They're happier. They're a happier person. I didn't say anything to do it. They had private time with the Lord where they said, search me, O God. And then they're like, why am I feeling that way? They had a, a personal, have a moment. <laughs> why am I feeling that way? Why am I thinking that way? And then God, who knows you better than anyone, I said, 21 years of marriage, I have stuff on Rebecca's wish list for Christmas. I'm like, the heck is that? And she's like, oh yeah, I really wanted this whole story. I'm like, who are you? I don't even know you. Her sister and her have like this telepathy thing going on. She's like, oh yeah, she's, she's been wanting that for years. Search me, oh God, where are my desires? And what about this? Where's my identity at? Where am I at on this whole thing of I was created in the image of God? Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. The Imago Dei. I, am I, when I look at myself in the mirror, do I believe that I was created in the image of God? Do I have a healthy, I can receive love, I can receive a compliment without getting all weird? Maybe God wants to just 
kind of like a steam cleaning, just like iron out the weirdness going on in, in insecurity and just, hey, you're good. I love you. God created you in His image. That other stuff, it doesn't matter. I was never really excited about my, my, the, my shape, to be honest with you. The last time I broke an, an arm, there was a, a, a bone specialist was measuring my growth plates. Uh, this is a great opportunity. So my dad is six two and a half, and so I wanted to know how how tall am I going to be? You know, at this point, I think I was five four, not too far from what you see right now. <laughs> and so I asked the guy measuring my my, my growth plates. I said, "So how tall am I going to be?" I said, "How tall is your dad?" And he's looking at my mom. Who I mean, some of you guys have met my mom. She's not a big person. She's vertically challenged. How tall is your dad? Six two. Oh, you'll be at least that. <laughs> So I've never been too thrilled with my shape. But I'm actually shaped exactly like my mom's dad was. And I'm created in God's image. So just because people assume that somebody over six foot is tall and should be a leader, they don't look at me that way. Doesn't mean, are you with me? Like at some point you've got to have a, like where am I at? Do I believe I was created in the image of God? And here's another thing. Do I see purpose in my life? We're, we not only have the Imago Day, I'm created in the image of God, but we also have the Missio Day. I was created on mission, the mission of God. Is my mission in life to make myself happy? That's going to disappoint you from here to next Sunday. Because of human desire, there is no end. Where am I at? Where am I at in issues of stewardship? God has given you three resources, time, energy, and money. Where are you at in the stewardship? Is there anything that would offend God and how you're stewarding your time, energy, and money? And where are you at in your relationships? Now, this can feel really overwhelming. Ben, I felt so great during worship, and now I'm depressed. (laughs) Here, just like we do in Silver Recovery, here's what I want to recommend. Don't venture into this totally by yourself. It's good to have pri- private time in prayer, but be in relationship, in life-giving Christian relationships where someone can kind of help your perspective so you don't get weird with this. Are you with me? And someone can say, hey, you, whoa, whoa, time out. You got 27 things and God's just got like this one. And like from my perspective, half the stuff you're worried about, you're fine. <laughs> right? So don't, don't go this totally alone. And uh, lastly, just a couple practical suggestions. Make time, remove distractions, and get some resources around you, worship music, a Bible, a pen, a paper, before you enter this question. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I am not suggesting that you do this for the next three weeks. That would be overwhelming. What I am suggesting is that you do it at least for a few moments. Once. This is something that I've done for years. I have a, a prayer card of scriptures related to various areas of my life. And, and one of the only reasons that the person that you know in me has some joy is because I do this periodically and God helps me realize stuff and get cleansed of stuff and remove stuff and change my perspective. But partially it's because I have checkups. I've learned to have checkups, and it's it's life-giving. It's very, very helpful. Sound good? 
So here's our questions as we start uh, tomorrow. We start this three weeks of prayer and fasting. What do I want to be focused on? And this is what you really should decide before you start. Why am I choosing to go without? What will I be praying about? What days and times will I be in prayer and Bible reading? Um, I'm, Rebecca is going to um, hand out. What we're going to do is we, we always do this digitally. So these uh, the posts for every day are going to be up online and shared through our social media. And if I have your email address, I will, the night before, will email you the next day's uh, post uh, for you to read through. Uh, it's just something that we thought might be beneficial to you um, and helpful to you. But we also have it available in print. So you can, I know that Rebecca and Daniel are very gentle and nice. You can say no if you're just going to use the digital um, version of this. But so this is a, this is a print copy. <clears throat> So just raise your hand if you want a print copy. We'll have them out digital as well. <clears throat> i got a prayer on the screen um, to help us focus as we uh, just close out our time together. Um, I apologize about the heat situation today. We are going to um, work to address it. Um, and I'm just so glad that we can be together. Uh, and again, please, um, we talked about this last week, prayer and fasting. It's a personal, private discipline not something we do for show, not something we do to earn merit from God or to be a better person, just something to focus on God and uh, focus the beginning of our year. Okay, uh, I'm going to read the prayer that's on the screen and just close our time in prayer uh, this morning. Um, if you'd like, um, if you had a chance to glance at it already, you can uh, read this aloud with me if you like. God... You are more important to me than anything else in this world. Thank you for taking away guilt of my sin through Jesus. Now on the next screen here, we won't read this, but this is something just to kind of help you as you get started in this this week. This January 8th to 28th, I'm going without fill in the blanks. I'm doing this because, fill in the blanks, I will be more focused on you, God, than anything else. I choose to live for you Please speak to me, God. Thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are faithful. I thank you that you are merciful. I thank you that you are patient with us and that you are kind. And that, Yahweh, it is you that we turn to in this time and in the the middle of all that is going on in our personal lives and in this world. But that in you we find love. In you we find grace. In you we find mercy. And, Lord, I'm asking that this month you would speak to us. You would show us your glory. You would help us to experience your shalom, your peace, and help us to share that shalom, that peace in our homes, and to take that shalom, that peace into our world. I thank you for it, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming today. So good to see you. God bless you. Grace and